Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of our Business and Focus podcast. I'm Emily Khan, a director here at PwC and I'm your host for this episode. Every year, Mental Health Awareness Week represents an opportunity for us all to recognise the importance of our mental well-being. And this year, the social isolation imposed on many of us by the COVID-19 pandemic has made it more important than ever to look after ourselves and those around us. One in 14 adults in Great Britain said they often or always felt lonely during the winter lockdown, according to the Office for National Statistics. That's up 40% since last spring. And this worrying trend hasn't gone unnoticed by business leaders. Our recent CEO survey found that 61% of CEOs are worried about the declining well-being of their people. To discuss this important issue, I'm delighted to be joined in our virtual studio today by Ben Higgin and Poppy Jarman. Poppy is CEO of the City Mental Health Alliance, a not-for-profit organisation aiming to create an environment where mental health is discussed in the same way as physical health in the workplace. Ben is a PwC executive board member with responsibility for technology and investments and is also one of our firm's mental health advocates. So a very warm welcome to both of you and I'm going to start our conversation today with the most important question of all, how are you? Poppy? Hi, good morning Emily, thank you very much for inviting me today. Um, yeah, I'm good this morning actually. I've done yoga um, and that always is grounding way to start the week. We had a really lovely weekend for the first time we saw some family members. It was my, um, my, my in-laws 52nd wedding anniversary so it was just lovely to see them after such a long time, albeit with hot water bottles in the garden. Absolutely, that sounds familiar and congratulations to them. It sounds like a lovely weekend for you. How are you, Ben? Yeah, also uh, very good, thank you. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually in our office um, to record this podcast, which, um, which I always quite enjoy. I'm a man of structure um, and I quite like, I'm one of the only people I think who has missed their commutes because I actually walk into the office. So it's been really nice actually to, uh, to walk in. Uh, it didn't rain, which was a bit of a relief. Uh, so yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Absolutely recognise what you say there about the power of the commute and it being an opportunity in your day that you don't have in the same way when you're at home. Um, and maybe that's very linked to the issue we're here to discuss today. Um, Poppy, I'm going to come to you first, if I may, to get us really going with this important conversation. And I, I mentioned there in my intro that uh, the pandemic has really put mental health on the agenda for many businesses if not for the first time then in a different way than it maybe was previously and we're starting to see leaders applying business acumen to that challenge around mental health as around their other major risks i would love um your experience how has the pandemic changed the conversations you're hearing businesses have about mental health and their risk appetite in that agenda yeah, absolutely, Emily. So I think, you know, the City Mental Health Alliance is a decade old. And for a long time, it felt like we were, you know, moving this agenda slowly up a hill. Because <laughs> because some people got it, some organisations like yourselves just got it, and were running with the agenda. Because actually, if you're, if you don't create an environment, 
where your people can flourish, it is going to have an impact on business. So putting together a business strategy that's appropriately resourced to not just prevent people getting unwell, to actually encourage and invite innovation and 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 foster wellness was just many, many businesses got it. But a lot like I said, didn't. And the thing that happened during the pandemic, you know, and it's been terrible for all around the world, but the one small silver lining I would say is that mental health is on on the on the boardroom agenda and business leaders worldwide are talking about mental health and well-being in a way that they never have before and i think the the statistic that you shared right at the beginning 61% of leaders are thinking about ceos are thinking about the well-being of their staff but actually 100% of people have at some point over the last year stopped and thought about their own well-being and their family well-being and actually the multiple accumulative stresses of running a family you know homeschooling um you know adapting to the change when you are used to a structure what does your strategy look like when you're actually having to make change strategy every single day rather than you know what we're used to which is you know three-year plan let's get on with it we're all moving in one direction like all of that had to change and leaders also you know our jobs is to hold our teams, our organizations, so that they feel safe and the organization feels like it's moving forward. Well, how do you do that when you're feeling vulnerable yourself and constantly um, making decisions that you don't know what the impact is going to be from one day to the next, let alone week to week, which is what it felt like right at the beginning. And what I saw was CEOs all around the world talking about the impact it had on them with their teams, with their executive teams, with their boards. And that changed the conversation around mental health forever. And I hope that that stays because leadership vulnerability matters. And when leaders step out of their comfort zone and say, I'm struggling too, but we together can make this work. So let's all pull in together and work out how to solve this together. It completely changes the conversation. So last year, I think I I, I was at I think it was about 26 events that I spoke at and most of them were with CEOs within their organizations talking about how to create uh, an environment that is connected, that where people's values are at the forefront and people are being heard. And the question, how are you? genuinely sought out with curiosity how people were rather than a flippant greeting. It's such a rich picture that, of change that you that you talk about there, Poppy. And, and certainly it's something that I've seen and felt as, a, as an employee during that time, the nature of that leadership conversation changing, that authenticity that you describe and, and leaders recognising and talking openly about the challenge. Um, I certainly consider myself lucky to be at one of those organisations that, that perhaps saw it before the pandemic. Um, ben, I'd like to bring you in here because clearly on our executive board, you are you are one of those leaders having a conversation about how you create an environment for us all here at PwC. So how give us give us a feeling for how the topic is discussed alongside other issues. How is it treated as a board issue in the context of all the priorities um, that we're working through as an organisation? 
Yeah, it's it's been really interesting. I mean, I, I echo a lot of what what Poppy said. Um, it, it's become very personal for everybody, um, and and especially leaders. You know, it's been a very strange environment where businesses always face challenges, um, and and you know need to understand the nature of those challenges, need to understand risks, etc. But but this has been something that nobody's ever encountered before. You know, there's always been an element of, well, you know, some people have seen it before, they've done it before, there's experience out there, and that just hasn't existed. And it hasn't existed for leadership teams. So this has gone right up the agenda. Uh, one, in terms of, you know, the business response um, to the pandemic. Um, but alongside that, obviously, you know, a business like ours, it's it's all about people. And so the people aspects of that, they kind of are our business response um, to the pandemic. So it, it's something that gets discussed um, just a lot more. You know, I can remember previously um, you'd be invited to uh, to do, you know, maybe quarterly sessions um, where we would, you know, talk about mental health or um, we would run workshops that normally coincide with, you know, you know a week or or a specific day um it whereas now it, it seems to feature in every conversation that we have at the board you know we will um we will look a lot more at data understand that data have to think much more creatively um about how we try and uh, look after the well-being um of our of our people um and yeah it's become very it's become very personal for people um you know everybody's had to face um, a really difficult um, time. It's been fair to say harder for some than others, um, but it's been different for everybody, and everybody's had to cope with a level of change. And you know that level of change always drives uncertainty, anxiety. Um, you know, and as leaders, I think it's our job to to reflect on that and think about our workforce and think about how we tackle that because you know we're about servicing clients, and you know the only way we can do that is by having super um you know talented people and making sure they can make the most of their talent and that means looking after them oh i certainly um i certainly recognize that from my own experience here but i'm thinking also about um we've been doing some work on a program called rethink risk um in the risk business and and we're seeing that across sectors actually what you described there whilst we are very much a people business that that people risk is very square and centre across all industries, clients that we've been talking to about how they are rethinking risk post pandemic. So it does feel like very much a common and shared challenge um, for business leaders across across the economy that we need to, to respond to together. Um, why don't we move on to on how you respond to that challenge? So I think we're all agreed that, it, that um, the moment is now. Then maybe you could bring to life for us some of the things we've been doing at PwC and then, and then Poppy could give us a, a broader picture of, of change around the world, perhaps. And what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's been quite a lot, actually. Um, there are certain components. So, for example, actually, um, one of the things that, that we did quite early on was um, open up our offices to people who needed to be here. Um, and, and that was um, thinking particularly around mental health um, and understanding that there will be people um, who need to come into the office and, and it's actually quite critical for them um, and it's a critical need for them to be able to be in, in the office um, in order to be able to, to function um, and so it was you know that was one of the decisions that we that we made quite early on um, it, you know since then there's been a whole stream of different things I mean you talked about risk before um, you know 
the well-being of our people is right up there on our top risks register right so we talk about that um, and talk about the risk to the business and as i say we've had to be um the response has had to increase because the risk has increased you know our appetite um, remains low in the sense of we want to manage this risk but the risk itself has increased quite significantly and of course if if that's happened then you have to respond to that risk and so you know we've had to think about how we communicate with our people um, the sorts of things that we talk about so you know um, our chairman and senior partner um, our head of people have been very active doing live streams um, that have involved uh, professionals uh, in this space, you know, mental health professionals, helping um, our people to understand, um, you know, some of the ways that they may be feeling, how they can start to cope with that. And actually just exposing that kind of conversation between, you know, the most senior people within our organisation to our people to say, it's okay um, to be talking about mental health and especially at the moment because um, everybody's having such a, a difficult time. So, you know, that communication um, right from the top has been vitally important for us as a business. There are other things that we've done um, in terms of, you know, we've made Headspace available um, for, for all of our people. Um, we've launched um, Frog Platform, which is, a, which is a new platform, which actually is um, really important for signposting people uh, sort of in their local area. So there's been a whole, um, you know, there's been a whole approach to thinking about how do we, um, in the in the context of an elevated risk, elevate our response to that risk. There have, of course, also been some real practical um, challenges that you have to face. You know, some of our people um, have had to be in the office actually for work reasons. Um, you know, if they've been um, doing work, for instance, with the NHS, and and that creates a new challenge and a new dynamic. And again, you know, we have to think about how we respond to that. Um, and support those people in those projects. Thanks, Ben. And it's it's um, it's fascinating to hear you talk about it being on the risk register so clearly as that. And I think um, that's something, as you say, that feels new in the conversation that it's that it's being treated very much as a, as a business risk in that way. Um, I'm conscious that as we're talking, you just used a phrase that I'm hearing a lot at the moment. It's okay not to be okay. That feels like a very common phrase here in the UK. And that we have the advantage of being in a culture where that's quite an open conversation um, in in society, not not just in business, but that it's not the same all over the world. And I would be very interested in your perspective, Poppy, as as we're talking about this challenge on that difference in the international scene and and the role that that big organisations like ours can play in that context too. Yeah, absolutely, Emily. And, and just just to add to what Ben and you are saying, you know, last year was the first time I saw mental health and well-being on the risk register with with mitigating actions and resources by boards, which, again, if you had said that to me two years ago, I would have been like, there's no way big banks and big, you know, financial services sector organisations are going to do that because it's not a priority in that way. So it's incredibly heartening to see that this has been taken so seriously because it is at this serious world health organization have said that mental health of the world is um it is going to be the next big thing that we in society are going to have to address for ourselves and the next generation um 
but it's not just about risk it's about innovation so when we when we foster cultures where people can talk about really difficult stigmatized agendas such as mental health or mental illness it it's a it's a real signal to us that our organization or our team or we as individuals are people where people can bring some of their most um difficult uh, discussions which then means that they're this we're also the same places they're going to be able to bring their best ideas because there's a lot of trust there and that is where how we foster innovation so this whole agenda and getting it right is is just it's it's not just about looking after people it's also going to be hugely impactful on the bottom line because of innovation and 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 people being able to feel a sense of loyalty to the organization and a sense of belonging to the organization so i think for all of those reasons it's it's brilliant and i to, but but in terms of your question around the world and i guess this is this is connected to innovation you know this when as as the pandemic has evolved and zoom culture or video calling culture has evolved actually we're able to access pretty much anybody in the world you know from our homes right now which is completely revolutionized the way organizations work but one of the things that i think is really important that we we pay attention to during this process is cultural differences and cultural nuances so city mental health alliance last two weeks ago we had our first round table in india and we're really proud to say that we're going to be launching our india chapter soon but the discussions there were when we talked about the campaigns for example the relevance of it's okay not to be okay is is just not there um we have to make sure that when we're launching campaigns such as the ones that we've got in this country where you know the narrative around mental health is a good 20 years old we don't just ad- adopt those and try and scale them up because from business perspective scaling up is is a is a thing that we as boards talk about all the time because it's efficient but the cost of efficiency can be that we lose the message completely when you're in a culture where actually the implications of having a mental health issue is not just stigma for yourself in the workplace and possibly um people seeing you as weak or not being able to pro, uh, you know do your job in the future etc which is something that we're rele- we're 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 accustomed to in this country as a you know the stigma issues but actually in a in a culture like in bangladesh and in india so my heritage is Br- british bengali it has a huge implication in terms of your uh marital status it has a huge implication in terms of how your family is seen within the community so it's you have to understand that and actually to say to you know a bengali firm for example it's okay not to be okay i think is is quite irresponsible so when we roll out mental health initiatives across the world because we have to if we're in 60 countries as a business it's absolutely our responsibility to make sure that employee assistance programs are available both in the UK and India and the other countries that you're in but it's really important to make sure that those assist- employee assistance programs are 
culturally nuanced and they understand what what the relevance of say for example talking therapy is in that country so in india we know we've i've seen evidence and research that talking therapy has a bigger impact if in the first instant extended family members are included because of the extent the the relevance and the importance and significance of extended families um, now in this country we just wouldn't do that it's all about the relationship with the individual so those kind of things are really 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 important i think but but i do want to bring that back to let's not just think about it on a global level we saw the 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 you know the resurgence of black lives matter and anti-racism narratives within our businesses when you just pause and think about our black colleagues in our our relevant businesses you know how is the employee assistant programs that business your organizations have got are you know are, are the people that are delivering the therapy um skilled to understand the impact of the intersectionality of racism and um uh, mental health the intersectionality of gender inequality and mental health like so those things are really really important all over the world and i think when we start working across the globe with with a with true business acumen we start to learn a lot about how we can improve um our cultures and the support that we provide to people in every country it's not just about um Uh, being specific in different countries it's how do we learn from each other there's so much in that answer poppy to unpack isn't there um and i think that you've really shone a light on the intersectionality of mental health and other priorities that many businesses are grappling with it, it's certainly very striking here you know we've had a lot of conversations about the inclusion agenda including on this podcast series in in the last year and and that being a strategic priority and something that we're focusing resource and and measuring and managing and talking about more and we're also thinking about about mental health and it's it's how you can start to do do the two together and understand how they impact each other um and clearly to some extent you know data is at the key of of both those those challenges and building insight and understanding i'm interested in your views on you know, if you think of the progress that many companies all over the world have made on gender reporting or ethnicity reporting what's what's going on in terms of mental health reporting is that another of those agendas where we can start talking about what gets measured gets done is that the sort of space we're moving into yeah well absolutely and i and well i think for me sometimes i think people think well actually mental health you can't really measure it what does that actually mean but it, it you absolutely can because when you're fostering inclusion and belonging within an organization so if i can come to work and feel like this organization understands me gets all of me and i and i really belong to this community i bring my whole self or as you know as i choose to bring my whole self or majority of myself to the organization and that i think then fosters mental health my mental health because like you said right at the beginning you know loneliness is a major risk factor for poor mental health so if we can feel like we've got connections at work as well as in our local community as well as in our family 
our our um, mental health uh, risk of developing mental illness reduces significantly, and our mental well-being and our um, opportunity to flourish increases significantly. So that's so actually when you're measuring what people you know your black colleagues your lgbtq colleagues what your what women in your organization are saying and feeling and if you score high on all of those you're also scoring high on creating a culture of psychological safety and fostering mental health and well-being so i think it's really really important not to look at mental health or health and well-being in isolation it's really has to cut across the uh, diversity and inclusion agenda because what we're trying to do is ensure that people you know we're attracting talent because we create this this sense of belonging within the organization and it's not just leaders and brochures talking about this in a really you know polished way it's actually our young people and young talents that are coming into the business saying this organization's great you know i can come to work and be x y and z whether and 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 that should be that should resonate not just in the UK or US you know in in all of the countries that we're in and i think we need to then look at you know what are the culture points that we're testing in all of the parts of the world and are those uh, questions and the surveys that we're doing relevant for that culture and that community and how are we ensuring that it's not just about equal opportunity it's about equity so how do we make sure that you know uh, a colleague in in uh, in bangladesh or india or africa is actually got the same leadership opportunities that other colleagues have got in maybe the western world and what what is the difference there and how do we actually create create equity rather than saying here's a leadership program or here's a talent management development program it's accessible to everybody but then what you get is about 80 to 95 percent of people that apply are Europeans and you haven't actually stopped and asked yourself what that's about so I think for me it's how do we foster really nuanced way of encouraging people to get involved and feel like the organization is creating a space for all of them, which then creates great mental health. I love that. Ben, Ben, tell me a bit about how, how you think we're approaching that challenge and, and the building blocks we've got in place. Yeah, it's, it's such a fascinating area. And I, and I agree with Poppy that, you know, the intersection of actually, I would look at them as multiple data points. It won't surprise you, I work in technology. So, you know, for me, um, you know, having data and being a data led organization is actually the key to then creating transparency, right? Because you can't have the transparency until you've sorted out the data. And, and there's been some fascinating work. So, so we, we've surveyed our staff for for many years um but we've we've in, you know increased uh, the focus of those questions on well-being over the years and to see how that moves has been in itself interesting to then um you know ask our various uh, inclusion networks to focus on components of the results of that and to, to therefore understand you know how 
um, you know, whilst you've got the data, what's lying behind the data to get you a, a greater level of insight is really important because that's how you actually tackle um, some of these issues. And, and the techniques are getting more and more sophisticated. You know, we, we, um, we actually had a trial of um, human performance analytics. So it was an optional thing that our people um, could join if they wanted to. And what it allowed them to do is they had a, uh, they had a, a smartwatch um, and that monitored uh, things like their heart rate, et cetera, and gave sort of raw data, which then they could, um, you know, look at what was uh, happening in their day um, and it would, you know, coordinate with their diary. It would coordinate with, um, you know, the firm making various announcements. So they individually could see, you know, um, what were the sorts of things that were raising their heart rate during the course of the day, um, which allows them to think about um, managing that and managing anxiety and managing stress. And of course, for us as an organization, we could see the whole and say, okay, what is it that we're doing? that is impacting people in a way that we just never would have been able to understand. And for me, you know, if you take that data-led approach, if you then supplement it with um, the diverse perspectives of our people to help us understand the data, and that is a super important piece because you can get lost in the data. But if you can get people to help you understand that, that to me is the key to being able to uh, understand people um, on a large scale in a way that we've never done before. I uh, I recognise the the description you give there of the watch. I, you know, I, I fairly recently started using a smartwatch and actually I'm benefiting from learning about myself just from the data, let alone the wider organisation and starting to make good choices about my way of working um, that set me up for success in any given day. Um, really interesting. I'm going to take us back to, um, I think you both mentioned in your first answer, something about this being personal for leaders. And we've all been through this universal experience of the last year of, of the stresses and strains of the global pandemic. Um, so I'd like to talk for, for a minute about the role of leaders in all of this and what it means to be a leader um, in this space. I'm going to come to you first, Poppy. You've, you've talked very um, compellingly there about the need for creating a culture and a safe psychological space at work for people to bring them whole selves and you know those intersections between mental health and diversity looking specifically at the actions leaders can take what do you think people should be thinking about as they approach this challenge yeah, absolutely. And and just before I answer that question, you know, the, the whole smartwatch thing. So I just have to share this because it's quite amusing when um, when we were still doing events in, in real life and um, I was, uh, you know, just about to go up on stage to do whatever keynote or panel, my smartwatch would just literally be beeping because my heart rate was so high and it was just I'd never noticed that before I'd never realized how anxious I was getting just about I just before going on on stage um so it was really helpful for me to actually then think through how my I would do a few breathing exercise etc to just help that um but and and then actually my my coach said to me it's quite good because that's what we need. We need a bit of an adrenaline kick before you're going on stage. So maybe you shouldn't be trying to calm it down. But Emily, just what you said about learning yourself through data and information is, is crucial. So on that note, I asked myself, what am I doing as a leader 
when it comes to race and gender discrimination and the impact of mental health. It's all very well me going on stage or being on the Zoom Zoom stage and talking to leaders and businesses, you know, about what they can be doing. But what was my responsibility to the Black Lives Matter movement? And actually, what was my responsibility to the number of disproportionate deaths that happened um, in black and brown communities around the world um, as a result of the pandemic and the health inequalities that exist in society. And I, one of the things that I did was I, I deeply reflected on, on my personal actions and what I can do. And I put out actually a, a leadership commitment or my commitments around gender and race. And they included these five things. Um, I'm going to try one of them is always asking myself who is, is is not in the room. So throughout my career, Emily, I found that I've often been the only woman and usually the only person of colour in a room. I've been yeah, very yeah. privileged that, you know, I've my career progressed enough that I can be working with CEOs, but most of the time it is it is it is men and 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 it is usually white white communities. So I ask myself who's not in the room and I and I give myself permission to ask that question in the room. And in the past, I used to get held back, back by the fact that I'm a brown woman. So everybody would think, well, of course, Poppy's going to raise this agenda. But actually, if I'm not leading this, then who is going to be? So I've given myself permission to do that. The second thing I've done is... I will not sit on any panel or any conference now without sending my leadership commitments ahead to them and saying, you know, is there going to be diversity on the panel? Is there going to be diversity on the conference? And not just the sideshows, main stage. Tell me what the, the diversity index of your events look like, because events are very visible um, occasions and their career progressing. But again and again, you get the same voices and ensuring that there is difference and diversity thought in events is one of my responsibility but it's also my responsibility to make sure that other women are on stage alongside me and if that means I need to step out of it I'm really happy to do that and that's changed in the last since I published my commitments four or five big events that I've been on um, and the panel dynamics of that um and 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 so and then and then what I've done is I've made sure that that's in the system of my organisation. So my board know that, my um, my PA know that. So this is all discussions that are had. So I'm changing systems that perpetuate discrimination rather than just me individually doing this. And then finally, what I've done is I've put that out to all of my CEO colleagues and many of them, I think 11 people so far have adopted the same commitments and we're all working in different parts of the world to push this agenda forward. So for me, it's not just about my responsibility in society, my responsibility as a business leader, it's my responsibility as a human being and an individual um, to hold myself to account on this stuff. There's some really inspiring commitments there. I, I certainly share a couple of them, but I'll be I'll be giving the others a look and seeing if 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 and how I can apply those in my world too. Um Ben, you you clearly are one of our mental health advocates here at PwC and have had have made a decision to be authentic and try and break down the stigma around mental health personally. Um give us a feeling for why that's so important to you and, and why you've made that choice. I think you know, for me. 
we need senior people within organizations who aren't afraid to say that um you know mental health is something that affects everybody and and that you know there's still quite a lot of stigma out there um despite you know the fact of what we've been through over the past uh, 12 months with the pandemic there is still um stigma out there so i think it's really important you know I, i've had my own challenges there were certainly periods in my life where i i would say i wasn't mentally healthy um and i've been very open about that and very open about actually how i've um learned from it and grown from it and actually I, I feel like i'm actually much better prepared to deal with a whole host of things um as, as a result of that and i think you know you need part of that um visibility it's actually about authenticity of leadership in my view you know that's who i am that's you know there there's some of the things that i've been through and you know if i want to lead people and want them to follow me i, I think it's important that they understand you know who i am as a person uh, and and that i'm authentic i think also as well if you um if you set that tone within the organization that's the first step to empowering your own people um to look after themselves as well um I, and i think that's a really uh, you know i feel very strongly that that people should be able to um you know work in a way that suits them um to make sure that they're the best that they can be um you know we we've just launched our our new deal and it includes you know real flexibility um in terms of the way people work acknowledging that the the world has changed significantly and you know people they're not going to want to be in the office all the time we know lots of people will uh, rather avoid the commute um and and work from home uh, and they've got commitments um you know around homeschooling but, but even beyond that you know there were commitments that existed before that that were i think you know quite often um just became the challenges for the individual and and this becomes part of empowering them to um to do what they need to do to to you know work within their own within their own life if you like you've um you've really kind of brought it very neatly to into a a conclusion there ben which is just about right because we've we've covered an awful lot of ground but are running out of time here today um I like to end these conversations with something really practical that listeners can do having listened to the discussion. So I'm going to ask you each for kind of one quick tip. If people have enjoyed the discussion, are thinking about what it means for them, what it means for their organisation, what's the first thing they should do when they've stopped listening today? Poppy, I'll come to you first, if that's okay. Continue to ask the question, how are you, with, uh, with authenticity and curiosity to create change. Love it. Love ben, it. how about you? I'm going to get, I'm going to be cheeky. I'm actually going to, there's two things. I think sort of on a similar vein to Poppy, um, ask of your leaders what conversations they're having around this topic. Um, because once you ask them, um, you'll understand whether they are having them and if not, it will um, it will force them to. I think the other practical thing I would say is we're going to go through another period of uh, significant change. And, you know, with that change comes challenge. So don't be afraid to try and stop in the day and think that this change is coming, you know, with people going back to the to the to the office um, and, and the new evolution of the workforce starting to happen. Um, it's going to be difficult 
and uh, and and accept that and understand how you can help yourself to deal with that. Thank you so much, Poppy and Ben. It's such a fascinating discussion. That draws us to the close of another episode of Business in Focus. And of course, thank you to everyone for listening. If you would like to read Poppy's leadership commitments, you can find them as well as two other really helpful toolkits, the Global Thriving at Work Framework and the Mental Health and Race in the Workplace Toolkit, all on the CMHA website. We'll include the links in the description of this episode and on our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash business and focus. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with future episodes. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. Thank you.